Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 671. If you'd like to have a copy of it, Sharon will show you how at the end of the program. Uh, let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. They're free, including the postage and handling. I've got music, letters, and a very strong message from the Lord regarding uh, subjects that um, many people tell me they read the Bible, but they really don't know what it says. And that's why if you really want to know what the Bible says, a lot of the things that the Bible says may offend you. But uh, the Lord states that um, his words should not offend you. He's offended with you and uh, most of the people in the world. And when it says that there's no offenses, that means that you shouldn't offend the Lord by not liking his word. Because the most important thing in the world is to like what the Lord says and don't make him offended at you. Because there have been many people down through the years that the Lord um, told me not to pray for. They'd call up and they'd have second and third degree burns. And I found out that uh, this person was supposed to be on watch at the church. And instead they were watching a movie instead of staying at their post and doing what the Lord wanted them to do. And there was, uh, and so the Lord says, I don't want you to pray for him because I allowed this to happen to him. Now there's uh, all the bleeding, supposed to be uh, wounded type souls out there that would tell me that I'm not hearing from God and that they are and that they just say, oh, Oh, look at him. What kind of a person is him? But the Lord told me. Uh, Jennifer at our church uh, was uh, diagnosed with some kind of sickness that the doctors didn't even know what it was. And so her husband called me up and asked me to pray for her. And I started to pray for her. I'm not, uh, I'm not an opinionated type person. I just go by what the Lord says, and I'm in the spirit enough to know uh, everything, everything that I want to know about a person or about a place or about a thing or anything or what to spend money on and what not to spend money on. And I started praying for her. and The Lord told me, no, don't pray for her. She will not live the night through if she doesn't come up here and uh, touch the throne, talk to me. If she touches the throne, she will live. She'll be miraculously healed. But if she doesn't, she will not be healed. And so I told her husband that, and he puts her on the phone with me. I said, the Lord told me that if you don't get a hold of him tonight, you'll be dead by morning, and your soul will be in hell. I had no idea what she was did or what she was doing, and I didn't care. doesn't really But I just, um, and so she did touch the throne. She really got up there herself. You know, people have to hustle to get up to the uh, the throne. They have to hustle. They have to discipline themselves to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit. And uh, she wasn't doing that. She was just doing any kind of thing that she, I guess, wanted to do. And she later told me that she just wasn't really a person to, to pray. 
And I know that this person that's watching television rather than guarding the church because so many churches are being burnt down now. And these uh, scandals, these uh, scandals, these rumors, everything that people are saying about our church, it has stirred people up to make them to think that we're not really of the Lord and that maybe they could do something like that to us. And so uh, he, knowing that, uh, did not understand watch. He and a couple other people, he talked into uh, watching television instead. Well, we don't have regular television. It's a television set. We allow people at certain times of the week, the Lord has told me to let them watch a selected movie, one that doesn't have smut or things like that in it to the people because they fall away and they uh, they glamorize sex and filth and sin so much that stupid people rank stupid people get caught up in the actual production of a television program a bunch of reprobates decide to make a movie i have had so many people I've been on so many movie sets, and there really isn't anything glamorous about them whatsoever. But people, the whole world, is uh, emulating the things that they've seen on TV. And a lot of times you'll see a homosexual kissing a woman, such as uh, Rock Hudson. He's actually disgusted by the whole thing. But yet people say, oh, if I could only be with Rock Hudson or uh, some of the other homosexuals that have been uh, in movies and on, uh, they just went crazy for Montgomery Cleft and a bunch of people like that. And it's, you know, a lot of women just feel that they're beautiful and that they're going to get some guy we had a bunch of people at the church. There was a man that moved in, and I didn't know what his story was or anything. They never really checked him out good enough and found out that he was a murderer. Uh, he had uh, murdered. He had a girlfriend, and the girlfriend decided that she wanted to date other men. And so he got upset and figured that, her mother and dad may have had something to do with that, so he went up the stairs in the uh, their bedroom and knifed them to death. And then she ran down the stairs, and he ran after her with the knife and caught her out in the middle of the street and, and punctured her with about 30-some stab wounds, but she didn't die. And he got into a vehicle and took off. And went, he was heading for Montana and then decided, well, that's too sparse out there. Maybe I better go to Los Angeles or something. And he was, uh, I didn't know it. Then one day, uh, one of the brothers came in and showed me a poster that was on the post office wall, and it was him. And so I called him into my office. I said, you want to uh, tell me something? First of all, before that, I actually, in the kitchen of the church in Los Angeles, I, he didn't have any identification. I says, come on, somebody must have known you in your life. He was a young, very good-looking guy, and he was tall and looked like the boy next door. Clean, uh, clean cut, and 
very neat. And um, he says, no, I don't. And so when I kept pressing him, he said, well, I, was li I lived out on the streets with uh, the hippies. I lived out on the street with the dopers. And I was raised by them. And we really didn't, I didn't really have a job. What it was is I just, um, uh, we just scored. We stole money. We borrowed money. We got things and sold them. And that's how I've been able to stay alive. And I really don't have any references at all. Unless he wants some dopers and I don't know where they're at any longer. Okay, he comes to find out he had a history. He went to school. I said, surely you must have gone to school. And he, um, so uh, one thing led to another. And uh, all of a sudden he started lunging towards me slightly like he wanted to do something. And I saw this murderous look in his face. There was a lot of people around us, even in the kitchen. And so I stepped forward to him because I know how to use uh, martial arts and things. I wasn't worried about the young lad, uh, about him doing anything bad to me. Plus, there were plenty of brothers around that would have uh, helped if I would have needed it. And so he backed down, and then the flyer came in, and so I brought him in my office, and what's all about this? He says, sir, uh, I was on drugs, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I went up there, and I was, uh, I took this car, and I started heading for Montana, and it wasn't for several hours later that I realized what I did. And... Um, Finally, he got, um, he took off from the church and he was caught. And the, what well, the moral of the story is, so there was many of the girls in the church that fell in love with him. They fall in love because of the way a person looks instead of the degree of, uh, that they have love for the Lord. It's looks that they're after. And here it's for sure, if they would have looked at another man, this man uh, snapped very easily and he would have killed him. And a lot of people wind up in situations like that. They, they love the way a certain person looks. And they shun the person because of the way uh, they don't look. I know that uh, before Sue and I were married, before the Lord showed us each other, we really had no interest other than the gospel in each other. She wanted an older man, somebody 20, 30 years older than her. Uh, and like my mother and my dad were around 30 years different in age. My dad was 30 years older at least uh, than my mother. And uh, maybe even 40 years, I don't know. And she loved him very much. He was the dance coach for uh, Rudolph Valentino, and she was in love with Valentino, and anybody that had anything to do with Rudolph Valentino, she would uh, fall in love with him for sure, and uh, marry him, and she did. And she had three boys. I was the oldest. So uh, I was very familiar with that sort of thing when I was a young boy. But at any rate... Um, they were in love with this killer. He didn't look like a killer at all. 
But uh, at any rate, um, the Lord has told me again now with Brian Bingham. He was married. He got married to this very beautiful Jewish girl. And um, she wasn't anything at uh before he fell in love with her she was uh, she was just a street person she was having sex with everybody out on the street and when uh he died at 21 or 22 years old she immediately went after a man named Ed Risha in the church he was an arab she was a jew and then she started flirting with a person on the church property named Kankafas. And uh, Risha and her had a baby. And what she did is left a little note on the crib saying, Tony and Sue, uh, I'm leaving my baby with you. I know that you'll raise him well. I bet she was in the church for a few years. And she left him in the bay, uh, his little crib while he was just a baby and took off with Kent Coppice and she hasn't been back since. We wouldn't take her back. I wouldn't take her back at all under any circumstance. And uh, during the time she was flirting with him, she uh, actually let him come over to where she lived right in front of her husband and they'd be talking for hours at the breakfast table and having toast and um, coffee and honey or jam or something. And he just took off. Uh, both of them took off together and just left a note giving us uh, complete uh, custody of the child. Never knew where she was. Later on, this boy that she left in the crib, he was a very handsome boy, looked a lot like his mother. And he uh, wanted to be with his mother, the one that abandoned him instead of being in the church. Well, people like that aren't worth the powder to blow them up, really. Um, they're just a nothing. So they're just self-willed, uh, concerned about only themselves and what they want. His mother was a mystery to him. And... Uh, when I was praying, uh, I, you know, Brian Bingham uh, was my very, I mean, he was the closest to me. He drove me everywhere because my eyes are bad and he, I couldn't drive. And he was dying. And we took him from one hospital to another, trying to find out what in the world is wrong with him. And none of the hospitals knew. Well, come to find out, we took him to a place out uh going out to Palmdale, and they detected a tumor in his head, in his brain. And it was deep into the brain to where they couldn't do anything about it. And this woman was uh, so flirtatious and everything, and he was so caught up with her that uh, he just couldn't pull out of love. He wasn't strong enough when it came to his wife. I mean, uh, most of the people in Christendom uh, put their wife on too high of a pedestal. And that's what Brian did. 
And it was obvious that uh, if he was not going to be capable of doing anything, the words, uh, till death do us part, didn't mean a thing to her whatsoever. But anyway, uh, I was praying frantically with him because I certainly did not want him to die. And then finally, uh, he was in Victorville in the hospital there. And the Lord came down to me and said, don't you want him to uh, to go to heaven? And it was like a barbed wire wrapped around my, looped around my heart. And it hurt every time, every word he said, don't you want Brian to go to heaven? And I said, yes, Lord. And then he said, then stop praying for him. And I knew it was the Lord, so I said, yes, Lord. And so I stopped and Don Wiley was on the phone with them in the hospital in Victorville. He was right in our living room, and he handed the phone to me, and they said, Brian just gave up the ghost. He just died. 21, or at the most, 22 years old. And Gail Bingham uh, immediately had to have some lover. So she... uh, uh, Ed Risha, it, all the people just thought she was the most beautiful thing. They knew she was a bum. She was off the streets of New York. Um, actually a prostitute. And Ed Risha wanted to marry her. And it wasn't more than a month later that she went ahead and married him. Then they had the child. And then Kent Coffers came along and... Uh, she left her child, just like so many people today, murder their child, murder their children. Isn't that something? Uh, the state of uh, females today. You could trust one of them if your life depended on it, if their lives depended on it. So we had a person that just... Uh, watching the television instead of watching uh, the property and watching for people to come and murder their brothers and sisters. And uh, now all of a sudden he got all these second and third degree burns on him and I was really concerned about it. I put him out of the church for because he can't be trusted to even watch the church on a two-hour watch. He was a nothing and then this happened, and the Lord came down, tried to get it. It was like a blockade. The Holy Spirit was just pushing my prayer down. Don't pray for this guy. I'm giving him a little taste of what it's going to be like in hell. And so I told him that on the phone. I can't pray for you. You're going to have to pray yourself. And I says, do you have any idea why? And he said, yes, sir. I says, what? And she said, he said, I was supposed to be watching the church, and I was watching TV. Every job in the church is important. And when people put themselves, their desires, he desired to watch this movie, he just couldn't wait until later. Like when he wasn't on watch. And uh, now he's, uh, at this point, suffering. Well, I've got him in the hospital doing everything we can to heal him up. Everybody goes to the hospital. Jennifer was in the hospital 
Brian was in the hospital when I was praying for him. And this has happened several times down through the years because I know when I pray to God for something that he gives it to me. Uh, it's just most, uh, most all the time, every time. And a lot of people say, I prayed. But did you uh, contact God? Did you really contact him? Did you really hear what he had to say? Have you got the boldness to say when somebody says, uh, when God said, don't pray for them. Don't. To tell the person, God told me not to pray for you. You're going to have to get a hold of the Lord yourself because you're a bum. Uh, you weren't praying, Lord, can I go watch television or something? No, you're supposed to be uh, watching the church. You're supposed to, you know, all through the Bible it tells about watchmen on the wall. And the Lord said, watch. The days are evil. And they know uh, the people in this church of the different things uh, that are happening in the world today. And they know the um, smear job that the media and the government and the uh, false prophet, the Vatican and all the other false churches have done against us because we're I'm preaching they're not right. And I'm not trying to do them any harm. I'm just telling them that they need to repent because hell uh, is worse than first, second, and third degree burns. And it's going to burn forever. And so I'm telling you all the right thing. You just really have to get a hold of the Lord and stay there. And when people think that I don't know the Lord, they start saying, that isn't what it was all about. That isn't what I was doing. I know myself. When, in fact, the Lord has already told me everything about him. And like they think that they're ranting and raving and screaming and throwing a fit is going to do something good and persuade me, I'm not like you people. I really know the Lord. How do you think I'm able to do the things that I do? And how do you think that I'm able to escape a lot of the things that Satan has set up against me? It's because the Lord told me you've got five minutes to get out of here. Things like that. And they think that that's a, I just get a burst from the Lord. And then that's it. And then another burst here and there. I'm talking to the Lord all the time. And the Lord is talking to me all the time. That's how I know where to go, when to go, when not to go, when to stay in or to go out. I know all these things because I'm always watching uh, at the Lord's throne. What is it, Lord? What is it? What is it? I believe in God. And there's a lot of people, even in my church, that don't believe in God. But they're going to find out. So I asked this young man, now, do you know why this happened to you? He said, yes, sir. The Lord's given me a little taste of hell. I said, you're right on there. Because he won't let me pray for you. But anyway, as I said, we have a strong message from the Lord, which that should be a very strong message. This has happened many times. I just don't want to talk about all the times that the Lord told me not to pray for people. 
99 and 9 tenths percent of the time when people ask me to pray for them, I do. It's very frightening to me when the Lord says, don't pray for them. Don't pray for them. They are not, uh, it would be uh, uh, an abomination to me if I heard prayers coming up for that weasel. And so I listen to the Lord. And really, I don't care what public opinion is about that. I know the Lord and the people that come up with their opinions don't know the Lord. So, um, like I said, we have music, we've got letters, and a very powerful message from the Lord. So stay tuned. But now, let's pray. Father, uh, I uh, love you, and I love your instructions. It would be, I would be so frightened to be in this world without your presence all the time. It's like Moses said, if you're not with us, I'm not moving. We're not moving unless you are going to be with me. And uh, I don't want to move either. I become paralyzed, Father. I don't want to go anywhere or do anything unless I get an approval from you. Some people call that brainwash, but I know that uh, my mind has been washed. I have um, full consciousness of you. And uh, the people in the world have been brain muddied, brain damaged. And they think nothing about going out into the night or to the, in the afternoon and in the morning. Uh, going places that they don't know that it's all right for them to go to. And they're in churches and they're not really paying any attention to you, Father. They're going there to show off their clothes. And they make up in case there's some new romance at the church. So they can have sex with uh, their friend's wife or somebody else's wife that's not their friend. Or the women the same way. They're always looking, searching in the night for a new love. To brighten up the night, I have you, love, dancing in the dark. That's what the world is doing today. And they're in darkness, it's for sure. And um, one of these days, the Lord is going to, he borrowed him some breath, and he's going to pull the breath up, or the spirit, and the spirit is going to be, flung into hell and they're going to wonder what is this about but they'll know in an instant what it's all about but they didn't care enough about it father to seek your face day and night which uh, your word tells us to do well we only live once people will say and we're going to make good use of our life But, Lord, are they making good use of their life? They don't even have a life. You bought all of us in this world with your blood. And you're supposed to own us. But uh, you don't because they don't pay any attention to you. You're not the bossum. To them, you're just a figment of somebody's imagination 
when in reality they're all figments of your imagination. You imagined to make man, and you made them and blew your own breath into them, the breath of life. And now after they've sinned, we only have temporal life, temporal, temporary. And so we must, if we want to not go to the wrong place, we need to seek for immortality, eternal life. And that can only happen when you enter into our bodies, into our spirits, and mingle yourself there. And we seek you constantly with the whole heart, all of the heart, all of the soul, all this mind and all of the strength. We must put on the mind of Christ, the armor of God. And Lord, I thank you for giving this prayer unto me because uh, you know better than I do that the whole world is lost. People sitting in church churches are phonies. They're prostitutes just looking for another trick. They're everything. Slums. Bums. And they need to hear the truth. And what I told them today, Father, is the truth. And if they know you, let them go up and ask you if these words are not coming from you. Lord, I pray that souls will be saved and the church, the body of Christ, strengthened. And that Satan will be uh, destroyed in people. Satan is running rampant in human flesh. All they got to do to see the devil is take a look in the mirror. Because the, your word says that the flesh is a world of evil. And the tongue is a world of evil. Because they lie so much. They can't tell the truth, Father, because you, the truth, are not in them. So, Lord, I pray that in this message that uh, you will, people will receive you in them and those that are in the body of Christ, which is born-again Christians, that they will stop doing the things that your spirit has told me to say on this broadcast. Lord, I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus and that you'll open up doors for us and shut every door to Satan. Lord, send in huge finances to us so that we can get these um, gospel messages more thoroughly throughout the entire world. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone says amen. Amen. All right, so we have some music here. Now, this is Porter Wagner with myself singing, Lord, Hold My Hand. It's a song that Dolly Parton wrote for me. And as it was, as fate had it, uh, Porter says, come on, let me sing this song with you. And I said, come on, Lord, hold my hand.
firewalk be straight Let the deeds I do be kind Let me never hesitate To help my brother walking blind Hold my hand lest I lose my way have meaning long anything that I might speak if you see me leaning long just hold my hand and strengthen me Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, we have some letters today. Where's the first one from? Michelle, you're in the real? Okay, go ahead. From Tucker, Arkansas. Tucker? Mm-hmm. All right. Your book entitled The Messiah has lifted me up as much as any book other than the Bible that I've ever read. I asked for information on how I can parole to you. I need to know if I would put it down as directly to you or to your ministries, and I need an address. If God wants me out, I'll get out. He may have a purpose for me here. I know that with all the time I've done, I can relate to convicts more than I can to the free world. And my testimony holds a lot of weight with the convicts that know and know of me. Because if there had ever been a confirmed atheist, it was me. From the time I turned 13 in 1969 when I discovered drugs, my entire life has been centered on my pleasure. The cry of the 60s, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were my anthem, and all that I lived for. It didn't bother me to hurt others as long as I got what I wanted. When I got out of the Marines... See, there's another one of those guys that, as long as he gets what he wants, well, those kind of people wind up in um, prison, and um, on a morgue slab... Or in hell. Anyone that's all out for themselves, that's all it is. That's their fate. Then what else? And so thank God that the Lord allowed him to go to prison so that he could um, get to where he is right now. Keep going. That's a good testimony. When I got out of the Marines, I went on a cross-country robbery spree with a 14-year-old runaway. If we had ever gotten caught, I would have spent the rest of my life going from one state prison to another. I've been convicted of kidnapping, aggravated assault, felon in possession of a firearm, cooking dope, and first-degree murder. Since 77, I've been in prison 20... And you want to know something? Most of the women, that, all these women that have uh, murdered their child, they're guilty of first-degree murder, too, but they're just too ignorant, too stupid, and too ignorant of the Word of God to know that, but... They got by, they're getting by with it like crazy here on earth, but one of these days they're going to stand before the real judge and they're going to hell. Unless there's, uh, God gets a hold of them somehow, they get the fear of the Lord and they repent. 
that they're going to hell. They committed first degree murder, but more than likely fornication or adultery. Then go ahead. Since 77, I've been in prison 26 years. There was no love in me. My only two emotions were hate and anger. Even as recently as last September, when I joined the IFI program, Interfaith Change Initiative, I was nowhere near a Christian. I joined because I heard that you were guaranteed parole if you took the course. You aren't. But something started happening to me. Instead of just reading the Bible as a storybook, I started reading it for what it is, the inspired word of God. I started praying for the first time in my life, and I asked the Holy Spirit to come into my heart so that I could understand what I was reading. I started reading all the Christian literature I could get my hands on. Never let it be said I give anybody but God all the honor and glory. But I thank Him for giving you the wisdom and knowledge to write the Messiah. I had read the Bible in its entirety several times. It's the only book you are allowed in the whole. And I had read the same passages you quoted in several different translations. But because of my hard-headedness, they didn't mean anything to me. When I read in chapter 6 of your book that, quote, Christ the Messiah is called God's Son in a contrast to the prophets who were only men, even though they were inspired men, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, quote, God, who spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, unquote. It was like my eyes opened for the first time. Jesus is God. I've seen that bumper sticker my entire life, and it never meant anything. Jesus sacrificed himself on a cross to pay for my sins. He suffered for me more than anybody has ever suffered for anybody else. Yeah, yeah you know, a lot of people think they're really witnessing. If they get a one-liner like that, Jesus is God. And it doesn't mean a thing to you because the Bible has to be expounded upon. It has to be taught. Okay, then go ahead. And he sure didn't do it because I deserved it. I deserved Dante's internal hell. If it was up to my works, I would never receive the grace of God. I dropped to my knees right then and told my Lord and Savior that I was sorry for everything I had done in my life that had hurt him, and I begged him for his love and forgiveness. Yeah, when people are supposed to be on watch and they don't, that isn't hurting God. I mean, God, he thinks he was hurting God. He's hurting himself. God has it made. He's in heaven. And he doesn't, uh, God right now is not um, paying uh, any attention to people, or we as pastors cannot pay any, we can't pray if God tells us not to pray for certain people. I told him, you have to pray. You have to get a hold of the Lord. The Bible says for us to pray for one another, and therefore that's talking to the whole congregation, and therefore you have to pray. And you can't depend on me as the, your prayer uh, that I'm the intercession between you and God. I'm not. I'm just a person that uh, was saved, and I realize that I have to pray. And the Bible tries to make you realize that you have to pray. And the Bible says pray always. Jesus said that. And uh, the Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. Why? Because there's a, we're living in a dangerous world. We're like little lambs among wolves. 
And if you don't believe these words, well, then you're, you or yourself are committing spiritual suicide. You don't know uh, what uh, tomorrow holds. You don't know what uh, today. You get up in the morning. Man in Cleveland got up. Uh, his uh, wife was uh, our babysitter. This is many years ago. And uh, he put on his shoes and socks, his pants and shirt, and took off down the freeway. And some car leaped across the uh, divider and killed him instantly. And I never saw such a bitter woman. She just, her face became hard and she became angry at God. And she doesn't know, or he does, he probably didn't even realize what he was doing. Maybe he did. Maybe the Lord warned him about something and he never paid any attention to it. So he got snuffed without any warning. It's just like these people in these tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes. They don't realize worshiping Buddha or Muhammad is wrong. And so they just keep going along doing that and keep doing sin every day. And then they get snuffed all at once. And people say, what kind of a God is that? Uh, he's the kind of God that if you don't pay any attention to him, if you're not concerned about your own soul, if you don't care where you spend eternity, well, God will just snuff you and take you into the wrong part, which to him is the right part of eternity. Don't be thumbing your nose at God because God don't like that. Okay, now what else is the man saying? I asked my Lord and Savior into my heart. Now he's talking. My Lord and Savior into my heart. Then what? I know it sounds trite and phony. I've accused people of being phony about it my entire life. But it was like a weight had been lifted off of my chest, and for the first time since I was a kid, I felt like a whole person. The first thing I do every day now, and the last thing I do every night, is thank God for giving me a second chance. And I want to thank you, Pastor Lamo, for all the good you are doing with your preachings, literature, and books. Good works can't buy you heaven, but I have no doubt your good works will make your eternity that much nicer. I know I still have a long way to go. I fight with my flesh daily. I don't believe I will ever go back to my old ways, though. Right, because your flesh is satanic. And that's why the Bible tells us that we must discipline ourselves to be in the spirit. And what is the spirit? The Bible says that the word of God is spirit and it is life. And that when we're praying to the Lord... Uh, we pray in the spirit. God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in, with their spirit, with their own spirit, mingled with the Lord's spirit and in truth. And uh, that's what I do. And that's what everybody has to do. You're not going to ride into heaven on my uh, coattails. You have to ride on King Jesus into the kingdom of heaven with your own prayers and your own efforts. The Lord has to see effort on your part. Uh, if heaven is worth it to you to be there for eternity, 
and if hell is so horrible to you that you don't want to be there for eternity, then you have to get busy. And there's a song that Gary Paxson wrote. It's uh, called, If You're Too Busy for God, Brother, Then You're Too Busy. You better back up on some of the uh, things that you're trying to achieve in this world. Many people, they just load themselves up with books and they go to universities and they stand in line and they pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to go there. You're too busy, kid, if you want to go to heaven. You better make the Lord your business or else something may happen and abruptly and you won't be here on earth any longer your body will be buried but your spirit will be in uh, at the judgment bar of god within a fraction of a second you'll be in hell okay then what even my worst of days now are better than my best days in my old life there your, it is even in prison you will feel that way then what your brother in christ michael danko from tucker arkansas all right praise the lord you have another one Yes, from Malvern, Arkansas. Let me hear that. Dear Brother Tony, I pray and know this letter will find you and your ministries doing well. I read a newsletter your ministry published. I read it and prayed about it. The Holy Spirit came to me and told me that it was the truth. Brother Tony, I would like to be part of your mailing list so I could start getting the true word of God. I cannot wait till I get out of prison to come and worship with you and the true people of the Lord. I would also like to get any books you have that you could send me about the Word of God. I started my walk with Christ in 2005, and it has been a very hard walk, but I am staying faithful to the Word of God. Oh, my God, it was hard for me, too. I got hit so many different ways that I could never account for all of them. But I realized then, because I really knew that the Lord was in heaven, because of what he did to me in the office and all the visions and dreams and signs and wonders that he gave me that there was no backing down. There's no way to run. There's no place to run because you can go to the top of the mountain and he's there. You can uh, swim to the bottom of the sea and the Bible says that he'll send his serpents to bite you. So no matter where you go, uh, you can't run in the house, run inside the house. You can't crawl under the bed wherever you're at. He's there. And people that don't believe that to me are the most crude, sick people on earth. Then go ahead. What else? Brother Tony, I would like your input on some things. Why do all these churches want to save souls for Christ, but none of them want to help? Well, uh, they'll pay for that. Uh, at the judgment bar of God. They think they're going to heaven, but uh, the Bible says if you're starving, uh, people from the word of God, then um, you're not a true person of the Lord. You have to feed the sheep. Uh, You have to give them to drink of the word of God. You have to feed them the word of God. And if you don't do that, well, you're guilty. Guilty by association. You didn't feed me when I was here on earth because the Lord likens everybody that's here on earth as him. And the way you treat people is the way you would treat him. So when people don't have any regard for the church, 
They don't regard for the things of the church. They are ugly people. I see they may look okay on the outside, but inside they're like an ugly old hag or an ugly old man. They know it, and I know it too. Okay, go ahead. The churches want to charge for books and everything. Well, that's because they're in the... I mean, you know, if I want to make money, I've got a Beatles album. I just sell that. I won't uh, do that. You never, ever, hardly ever, maybe three to five times, and at the most ten times in 44 years have I ever asked for money from the people. And some people say, well, you're not of the Lord then because it says that you have to give tithes and offerings. Yes, it does, and everybody knows that, and most of the people are given to the wrong church. But, uh, uh, you know, I always just say, let the Lord lead you. Let the Holy Spirit get a hold of you. If he doesn't, well, then you're not of the Lord because the Lord doesn't have you supporting churches like that. Okay, then what else? I have asked most of them to help me, but they always write me back and tell me sorry. Well, you know, I don't do that. I don't do things like that. Okay, then what? Brother Tony, I have a dad that is 83 years old and cannot help me. Brother Tony, I see how the evil world has tried to destroy your ministries and others, but they cannot stop the true word of God. Please put me on your prayer list, mailing list, and book list to help me study the word of God. I pray that I will hear from you soon, your brother in Christ, Hardy Burroughs from Malvern, Arkansas. Okay, praise the Lord. Well, we've got a couple of minutes here that is left. Uh, make sure this person gets uh, books and uh, literature and send him uh, some money. Okay, I'll tell you how much at the end of the program because I don't want to wave uh, money in front of people or anything. It won't be any uh, million dollars or anything, but it'll probably send him a $25 or something, okay? And uh, Sharon, uh, you have something uh, that you were... Uh, you'd like to say what is it the last message uh the last two messages that you spoke about how the lord was uh seeing what you did and how when you were faced with that um filthy bathtub that someone else left in that condition and the lord through susie told you you go and and clean it and the lord would lift you you know in your growth and that man who didn't care about others would be left you know sh- in his state. Yeah, that was very repugnant to me because I had lived the, the high life. I lived at the uh, Plaza Hotel in New York and all the big hotels and ate at the best clubs and everything, the restaurants. And so, uh, but it wasn't just that once. You have to live that way as a servant because he is the greatest of all in the body of Christ is those that serve all people. That's why people that don't uh, give money to people that are in need and they charge them for the word of God when the Lord gave it freely. Okay, uh, continue on. So I don't do that just that one time. I've helped this man and other (laughs) millions of people in many different ways. Then what? Um, And you were talking how people um, had to be concerned with what the Lord thought as opposed to what other people think. It reminded me of when I was a young Christian in the church in Arkansas. Yeah, because when you're concerned about what other people think, you're not going to shine somebody's shoes. You're not going to to clean their bathtub because people will see that and it will be embarrassing to you. Uh, So go ahead. 
So I uh, one day I was in the cafeteria after dinner time, and there were several tables that people had, you know, maybe left napkins or plates or things. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go and help the kitchen workers and clean up those tables. And I thought to myself, you know, people will think well of me for doing this voluntarily. And at that same moment, I felt the Lord's eyes intently coming down on me and making me know that what mattered was what he thought about what I did, that he knew my every thought, he knew my very actions, and it was like I was under a strong microscope and I never forgot it. Yes, but what you actually were doing was what he says in his word to do. You saw something that needed to be done and you did it. And he was blessing you for it, but not because of the fact that you were trying to impress people. We do want the people to see Christ in us. And the people did see Christ in you by you doing that. All right, my time is up, and so it's time to pray. Uh, and just thank God that he's there, that we have a God that cares, and we have a God that uh, wants us to talk to him. So let's talk to him now by saying, My Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and I believe that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. And I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart and I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus, Father God, and Holy Spirit, wash all my former filthy sins away in the precious blood that you shed for me. You will not turn me away, Lord Jesus. You will save my soul, I know, because your word says so. Your word says that you'll turn no one away. All that call upon your name shall be saved. Therefore, I know that you have heard me, and I know that you have answered me, and I know that I am saved, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Praise the Lord. Now, Sharon, tell everyone how they can receive a copy of uh, this program, number 671. Go to alamoministries.com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas, 75505, or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370, or fax to area code 479-782-7406. Praise the Lord. This is World Pastor Tony Alamo saying, tune in again tomorrow for another message from heaven. And here I am to sing for you a Gary Paxton uh, song that he wrote, and also he uh, produced and directed this one. The days we let slip by. Don't let any days slip by. Get busy for the Lord now. The days we let sleep by forever Never will return Like robins in the springtime When a day has come and gone It is then a part of eternity and time The days we let sleep by What we can do tomorrow for us Tomorrow never comes And we're the guilty
guilty ones The days we let slip How much we should have cared 